Hello and welcome to another episode of Cloud Security Podcast. Today we have a return guest, Darpan Shah, and we spoke about Google Cloud Security 101. This is a continuation of the 101 series that I had from my last episode, which was Azure Global Cloud Security, or sorry, Azure Security 101, which if you haven't checked out, I would definitely recommend you check out. And this time we went into Google Cloud. We spoke about projects, we spoke about folders, we spoke about how can you sail, how can you scale from a startup who's starting off today with one project? How do you have divisions? How do you decrease your blast radius in case there was any incident? And how do you go about differentiating or making a decision on should you go for AWS, Azure, or Google Cloud? We didn't do a network security a bit as well, but we're gonna do a full-on episode on it. So you would hear a lot about it after afterwards about network security. There were a lot of audience questions. As always, this was a virtual coffee with Ashish show as well. And um, we kind of went into some of the audience questions that came in as well. There was a slide being shared and we've tried to explain the slide as much as possible. But if you feel you need to have some kind of visual, do head to our YouTube channel. And while you're there, feel free to subscribe and hit the notification icon while you're there. It's always helpful to have people who are really supporting us in the community and leaving us reviews. So thanks so much for that. And please do keep the messages coming in on LinkedIn. And otherwise, I really appreciate the comments that you guys have had so far. And for those people who are in the newsletter, which is on Cloud Security Podcast website, you would be getting uh, your 200th episode video on this week's uh, newsletter. So do look out for that. And I would love to know what you think of it. If your learning has been the same from after doing this for 35 episodes and being with me for so long, I really appreciate the support that you guys have had and would love to know if your knowledge of Google Cloud or Azure Cloud or AWS Cloud or Cloud Security in general has evolved. All right, that's it. I hope I see you in the next show as well. And I'm looking forward to welcoming some of you onto the live next live show, which will be next weekend. And um, yeah, talking more about cloud security and a lot more. Talk to you guys soon. Have an awesome day and stay safe. And I will talk to you soon. Hello, everyone. Morning to everyone in Australia and evening to anyone joining us from the US. Welcome to another episode of Virtual Coffee with Ashish. Here we demystify cloud security every week with a different guest. This time we are demystifying Google Cloud. Last week we did Azure Security 101. We spoke about uh, how do you simplify from being a startup to an enterprise? How do you design yourself? This time we have Google Cloud and I've brought back another guest of mine who He's got he's got a secret hanging on in the in a few months. I'll let him announce it publicly when when he's ready for it. But I wanted him to have this opportunity to come and give us an unbiased opinion on Google Cloud. So, without further ado, let me bring him on board. Hey, Darpan, how are you? Hey, Ashish, I'm good. Glad to be back on the show here. Uh, I was gonna say, welcome back. It's it's always good to have I guess my guest coming back to me. And I'm going to do a quick audio check on folks joining in. Hello, everyone. Hello, Kalyan, who's joined in. Hello, anyone else who's please feel free to say hello. It helps me do two things. One, check my audio and that people can hear us. And two, it's always good to hear people from, I guess, who are joining in to listen in on the Google security. 
I'm going to start with the obvious one while people say hello. And I know some people may already know you, Darpan, but it's, I think it's good refresher because you've kind of grown uh, to to a bit bit large number. So it'll be good to, for people to know as to who is Darpan for people who haven't heard from you before. Uh, sure, definitely. So yeah, previously when I was on the show, I introduced myself as a hacker, kind of who like made his way to like hacking around and actually continues learning things and trying to figure th- way my up, like figure out my way up to the up to ladder as well as in the career are growing my skills and such. But right now, I would say just in the context of our today's topic, I'm a cloud security professional working as a cloud, working in the cloud industry space for like, I would say about six to seven years now, and have been recently focusing on cloud security architectures as well as uh, migrations and making the overall cloud environment within an organization secure. Perspective. That's, that's awesome, man. I think, I think one of the reasons I have always have, been, I love talking to you anyways. I think your knowledge to it's uh, Google Cloud has been really interesting for the audience. And as you can see, some people have really enjoyed your uh, conversation before. I think thanks for confirming Kalyan, the audio is good. And Rama is seeing you for the second time. So he's, he's definitely happy to see you for the second time. Um, yeah. I, I, I was going to ask as with the obvious question and I'll, because my own definition of cloud security is evolving after so many episodes. So it's kind of good to hear from you. What's your, I guess, what's your version of Google cloud security? It's not, I'm not going to say Google cloud security. What's your version of cloud security? Uh, what is sure. cloud security? So when I see like term as cloud security, I just see it as opportunity to secure my environment more with more granularity and at a more finer detail level. Uh, it's the same security level and security practices that we do on premises or our traditional infrastructure, but we get like broader opportunity to apply like full customizations and controls to our how do we secure our perimeter and our IT infrastructure, but also we get our responsibility for the security gets shared. So I wouldn't say like kind of like completely like gets half like 50-50, but at a different different kinds of cloud provider I use or different public cloud or private cloud I use, I get to do like less work, but also I would say meaningful work. The le- I would say it's less work in terms of, it just sparks like you make it more interesting that eventually you end up doing like more work. It's a more overhead, but it's fun than what you would do traditionally on premises. That's it. So that's oh. my version of like security in cloud. And when you go with like, either like to go in terms of like hybrid or multi-cloud, which I have been working on with like AWS, Google, and some private cloud. That just makes it more interesting and more challenging, I would say. It's interesting. Uh, and I know we haven't really gone touched on hybrid, but we do want to touch on where does one start, really? I think, and this is for people who are starting off in Google Cloud Security or someone like myself who is primarily working on Amazon Cloud. There's some Azure here and there, but Google Cloud is this unknown place. So where does one start when talking about security in Google Cloud? Sure. That's, that's a very interesting question. And I would say it's one of the questions I come across the most whenever I talk to people about like my multi-cloud experience or my experience with different clouds. They're like, how does AWS compare to Google and vice versa? Like, what do you think is more secure, more better? And my answer is the same. Like, both are secure, but they're only as secure as you make it. So... If you're starting with Google Cloud, I would say uh, in cloud, it's the concepts are similar and the fundamental starting point is same as across providers, whether it's you take AWS or, or Azure or an Oracle Cloud. 
The fundamental lies in the IAM, the Identity and Access Management Service that all the cloud providers provide. Because that's where you control who gets access to what resources and how do you uh, provision certain resources within your project and whom do you share it with. So the starting point would be the identity and access management. And starting with that, and I think that is like a project level concept. So I think we should take a one step back on that. And instead of like going, how do we make it secure? We should say like, what's the starting point in the cloud itself within Google Cloud? I would say, and that may help you answer the question better. What do you think yeah. about it? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And I wonder if you have if you have something prepared beforehand for this. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you share your screen in a bit. I think we'll, we'll be, because this goes into the podcast as well, we'll just try and explain as much as possible. But I'll encourage people to kind of come in to, I guess, on, onto the YouTube video so that they can see this. Sorry. I, so now we have, what, we, what are we talking about over here? What are we looking at? So... As I said, let's take a step back. So when you create your new first like project, or I would say what in AWS would you say a first new account, what do you get? So the basics lie in how do you get started with that? So in Google Cloud, the first thing you need is a Google account. Uh, as long as you have a Google account, you can start with your GCP project or Google Cloud project. And once you create the project, that's what you essentially get. You get your one project when you started and underneath the project, you get all the resources. So everything gets like perimeter or the control within that project that you create for it. So I think it's in, you know, interesting and fundamental to understand that what is a project and what are your limitations in it in order to make it secure. Because this project would essentially be your last radius in terms of any security event or security compromise, or even within yourself, you want to share across your resources and your services. Uh, project is the boundary that you get within it. Right. So I think you should start with how do you isolate your resources within the project first. Oh, so and if I'm, if I have this correctly, is this the same as what we spoke about, say subscription or AWS accounts in AWS? Correct. Is that what the equivalent of project is? No, exactly right. So AWS, you have accounts for Azure, you have subscriptions for Oracle cloud, you have tenants in the call. Yeah, perfect. Uh, thanks for clarifying the Oracle Cloud as well, because I'm seeing their name pop up here and there quite often. So it's good to kind of hear that side as well as to what happens on that side. So in Oracle Cloud, it's tenant. Right. It's tenant. Oh. So I think yeah, that's why I like the field of security as well. Like I should have mentioned this earlier, but I get to work with these different cloud providers and always like learn different things. And when you say like cloud security, you have to understand the fundamentals and concepts of all these different clouds, but at the same time, be able to apply them wherever needed and be able to connect them as needed. So it's very important to know these different cloud providers in the space. I would say for any security professional, just starting on cloud. Yep, that's that's pretty good. That's good value, man. All right, let's get into the projects then. So this is me as an individual starting, is that right? Or as a startup? Right. That's correct. So as an individual, once you like log into Google Cloud or just go to like cloud.google.com and log in, this is what you would see in the first. But now when we talk about security and getting started, essentially if you're a startup or a company just starting with cloud, then this is what your environment would look like, ideally. So you would, as a small startup company, you know you would have a domain or you have your identity within G Suite. So one essential thing I should mention is everything starts in Google Cloud with federation. Like every user who logs in, they don't, there's no concept of users or local accounts within Google Cloud. It's everything is federated. So either it's your G Suite account or there is a Google account. 
or any other cloud energy provider that you have externally. Oh, that's interesting. So, wow. Yeah, because that's, that's a really big plus, I think, for Google Cloud, because a lot of people kind of come back to the whole federation piece in AWS and Azure. I mean, this is the, you're starting off with, with this. By the way, I totally forgot this, and I, I apologize. Cheers. Oh, <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. for, to, totally forgot my coffee, and I like, oh, that's a good, good, this is probably a good time to bring you a Google Cloud mug. Perfect. Thank you. Yes. I was going to take a sip of it. I'm like, hey, wait, I think I'm forgetting something. Like, oh, that's what I'm forgetting. Thanks right. for uh, and everyone for reminding me. Thank you. All right. So we are a startup. We're federating into Google Cloud. Uh, Example.com in your slide. It's like, it's like that sure. really top level hierarchy. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. So that's one thing I like about Google Cloud. You start with federation from beginning itself. So all your permissions or all your user management is external. You don't really manage your users within Google Cloud entity. So that's the security feature you get out of the box which I haven't really seen in other cloud providers, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I think it's always an exercise. And is that, and maybe I'm not sure if it's the right way trying to bring this up, but is that because Google Cloud is a startup friendly kind of a thing? Because I'm thinking, and this could be my opinion, but AWS and Azure, because they target a lot of enterprise and a lot of enterprise usually have identity already they have something or the other. They have Azure AD, Okta, or Ping, or whatever, right? And right. that's usually across the whole organization. I wonder if that's one of the reasons why. But so, for example, I mean, I, I guess maybe you can bring it back. If I already have a domain, uh, or if mm -hmm. I already have an identity provider, then then can I still bring that in, or am I just locked into my example dot com has to be hosted on G Suite? Uh, absolutely, you can bring that in. Even if you have like your local, like Microsoft AD connected, your, your directory is managed in Microsoft or Azure provider, you can also bring that in. You can do like fully hybrid, you can connect that AD or that domain to your Google Cloud. And to your question about like startups, so I think all of the cloud providers are like aiming for startups, like targeting their product towards startups, but as well as enterprises. So Google, like uh, I think when it began or like when they started, they were aiming for startups and like smaller companies and such, because I guess we all know like Google was kind of late to the game. So like yeah. they started in like I would say around 2010, 2011, if I'm not wrong, like that's yeah. when they actually started their like cloud provider and their offerings for it. Whereas uh, AWS was since 2006 around and such. And then Microsoft already started working on their Azure products like internally and such, and then they made public. So I would say Google was trying for a different customer domain or a different like target domain, but then eventually expanding to like all the same customers or similar target range, I would say. That's my opinion on that question, I would say. Ah, interesting. Okay, and maybe, so maybe is this a good time to move on to the next kind then? Would it be, uh, It's is it more... I would say, let me explain this, like how would this work in a startup pretty much. So, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. usually, so like how it would work for an individual like company, when you are an individual user, you just log in and you get your first product created for you automatically. And then you create for the projects. But when a startup, like your isolation and your security pretty much starts at the organization itself. And when you start and bring your domain or a G Suite identity, that's when your security starts. That uh, your perimeter, as you see here, is become just larger. It's not whole organization, whole company rather than just one project that we had as an individual user. And after that, when you have the different projects and then you have resources, 
So that's where you create your isolation. You create isolation or your security basics within your first project and then resource, but then you expand it to other projects as well. So right now, if you see here on the screen, I have three different projects like my dev, test, and fraud environment. So uh, any developer, any changes or any misconfigurations happening in dev would not necessarily affect your test environment or fraud environment. Whereas for individual users just getting started as a, just say I'm at a hackathon, just trying to hack myself and create an API. I wouldn't be worrying about the multiple projects or multiple isolations in that case. But for smaller companies, that's what your typical hierarchy would look like in terms of your security wise. Because all your security policies get carried over and inherited from your popular organization and then your project and then your resources in cloud. I think this is a good starting point for someone, someone just getting started with cloud in a professional manner, I would say. So that would be kind of a startup or a small company environment that you would be working at. So to your point, if I am a startup, I'm just going to make up an example here. If I'm a startup, I just, I'm at that top level hierarchy. So setting the right foundations, because I guess eventually any startup would come across this conversation where either they're B2B or B2C or however, they would be able to start off by saying, I have my example.com. That's my main domain. And then within that, I've got projects for each environment to keep them separate from each other. Like, so the resources are locked in for lack of a better word, the blast radius. I'm going to keep throwing that word in there. Right. It's that's the blast radius is limited to just that project for all the resources in that project. Is that right? Absolutely. So that's your way how you control it for that. And then again, you can apply like granular security policies, just like your IAM and AWS or even Azure. You can apply the similar policies at the resource level within Google Cloud as well. So those online concepts carry over across cloud providers. Oh, right. Okay. So they, they carry, I didn't realize they were carrying over. Okay. That's good to know. Yes, it's a pretty similar, uh, it's exact same concepts, but just different terminology internally and different ways that you applied that. But for any security professional, I would say, since we are doing this basic fundamentals course, like our fundamentals class, like session, anyone just getting started with Google cloud and already know AWS or Azure, they should be able to they should be able to know what are fundamentals of security and apply the same principles here, I would say. And then if you uh, want to move over, we can see enterprise or corporation, you can see something, you can actually follow something like similar hierarchy where your blast radius, you can actually isolate and decrease your blast radius as needed as well. Yep. So here on the screen, I have like your same organization. So you had a question. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think I dropped off and came back in. So I, everything is okay. Uh, I just hit the back arrow and just jumped drop back in. You dropped off, but don't worry. I think people oh, got no. the, yeah, I, we, we didn't even realize it just, I, I think it might be, well, I think, I don't know, because G Suite has that go, they went down thanks to our, our, our post here, I guess. <laughs> They're still experiencing a lot of issues with their... Uh, services, I wonder, because it's definitely behaving differently. Anyway, I'm we're back. And so to, to your point, we've spoken about startup and small and medium-sized businesses and how you're able to transition from AWS and Azure skills into GCP. So what are we looking at now? What is this enterprise? So, so now here we are adding like when you're in bigger enterprise, bigger organization, let's say you have like thousands of employees and hundreds of projects, then you can actually increase the blast radius like we can actually decrease that with more granularity. So what you have to see here is like on the screen, I have additional layer called folders. 
So you can actually organize the projects within these folders such that anything, any policies you apply or any compromise that happens on the security side or any changes in the project only gets applied maximum to the folder level that's here. So in an organization, you know, in a startup, you might necessarily have all the different teams. You might have just like engineering team and then you have your management team, just like two high level teams. But then for an enterprise, there are like multiple like sales, HR, engineering, multiple teams there. And that's when you can organize projects into folders per team. And then your isolation becomes at the team level. And you see uh, those folders, it increases isolation at the team level, but also giving additional isolation with the project and the resources individually. So that's where uh, we go start with the hierarchy as a starting point for enterprise. This would be a suggested or like how it would evolve as their team grows, I would say. Uh, so folder is an equivalent of organization in units aws okay sweet and managed but is this the same as managed group in azure right oh perfect cool so so it's yeah. yeah fairly similar i mean i guess different names but the same purpose i guess which means it's scalable that's how i see this it is in fact yes and that's where like that's why when i try to recommend or talk to uh, like users that's where i try to recommend that as your teams scale as your teams grow your projects evolve over time. You should also evolve your hierarchy and the access access policies based on the scale that you go. So that's how I would say we're doing an enterprise. But then also things to note here, which I haven't really like. I would say Google has been faster to the market with things actually deploying the policies and creating the access advisors or accesses at the folder level or at the organization level directly compared to something limited to the project. So for example, your IAM, it's not just limited to your project, but you can also have your IAM policies based on the folders directly. So that's how like Google has been evolving and catering to all the larger and scalable teams, I would say. Interesting. And I think the exact same question that I had, someone in the comments also had it. If you can see on your screen, I think it just asked, is it just like what we have with AWS organization? I think we the answer for that was yes. We have a question here from Dr. Abdullah is another regular to the show as well. Um, I'll repeat the question. I don't know if you can already see it on your screen. How can this be useful to a B2B bank payment processing gateways with an ERP and their cybersecurity? I guess the question is also in, in a way that if you were to think of this in an architecture perspective, you're probably covering the layer above this. Is that right? Or is it more, right. are, you, are you thinking more of an OAuth thing? Like, I mean, I'll let him clarify the question, but would you want to take this question? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Well, I think I know where he's aiming towards, like sharing and allowing access to like, other businesses within your business. Yep. So you're right. We're definitely talking about like one layer above in the sessions. So we're talking about the projects level and the organization level. But if we take, go one layer deeper, uh, we can actually separate these security and isolation in two different layers. One is the API layer, other is the network layer or the network perimeter. So when uh, Dr. Abdullah mentioned, like, you want to allow like other customers or as a B2B clients to come into our systems, that's when your network layer would come into play. So when we talk about network layer isolation, so I guess let me take a step back in the network as well. So networks within all the clouds, so as I'm familiar or those who are not, networks are familiar, networks are isolated within a cloud by the term called VPC. That's a virtual private cloud that you get within your own project or AWS account or Azure subscription. 
So that's where your network isolations can come into play within the same project. And let's say you have the, the specific network or a VPC within your own project, or in, yeah, in this case, a project, then you can definitely share that across other business units or other clients by allowing them network perimeter access to come in. So there's, oh, you can allow like firewall rules or you can allow your security groups in AWS or NACLs if you talk about AWS terms. Or in Google, we have the firewall rules as well as we have the route tables. So when we have the B2B uh, clients, we can cater to them using those network perimeters that we set up for them, as well as allowing only least privileged access for that. I think we'll talk about least privilege in a little bit further that how does uh, Google like step up their game with IAM least privilege? But I hope like this answers like Dr. Abdullah's question for you. Like, uh, and yep. let me know if you have any yep. follow-up questions. Yeah, perfect. I'll, I'll ask him as well. So he'll probably come back to us as well. Yeah, that's a great way to answer it. And I think that's uh, worthwhile calling out for people listening in because we're going into Google Cloud Security 101 there. It's, is it worthwhile calling out the different layers? Like you and I would know the layers and some people may not know the different layers. Like you know, to your point, we went right on the top with organization or which is kind of like similar in, in the most cases. Then we have folders underneath that. Then we have projects underneath that. And then we underneath that we have resources and that's kind of where we go into further segmentation for we have network segmentation we have i guess environment segregation and then we have uh, i guess not just subnet sub segregation as well like there's so many layers to it at that point isn't it right right so the network subnet those uh, again full network segregation as well as firewalls and again like a with B2B and specifically like with financial plans, as I've seen like working in the financial industry for quite some time now, there are like, you know, there are silos and there are like oftentimes walls across business units and teams where they're not allowed to share certain things across each other. They have to route to legal and compliance where they have strict compliance rules to follow through either it's the government mandate or the industry mandate or their own compliance that they want to follow. At that time, those isolations at different levels come into play and see that how you can connect certain things. So even a network layer, we have the concepts of the peering and then sharing, or the API layer, we have the read-only access or like uh, editor access and custom layers and such. So all those different layers, like we can definitely talk on like, I would say in the future, we can go in detail about like, maybe do a one or two or two or one session, and we can definitely speak much in details about that. Yeah, and I think there's a follow-up from Rama in here as well. He says, so his question is, is similar to what we know about shared VPC uh, when we're talking about the Yes, it is, it is similar, uh, but Google has one added functionality called VPC service perimeters. So you can actually control your VPC service controls and perimeters at the organization layer. So that's where you can actually define the, which projects will be able to share their networks with other, other projects or with other clouds. So any policies at IAM that you define in the organization layer, that gets inherited at the bottom here for you. So in the project, the project cannot override what's said by the organization in that terms. So that's definitely like you have VPC sharing, VPC peering, and then also called VPC service perimeter and the service VPC service control in terms of security specifically for that. And that's where also interesting, like I find it uh, interesting, which I haven't seen really in AWS, from my experience as well is when you create those VPC service controls and perimeters and security layer, you can actually control that which user has access to which network specifically within your projects and across projects, rather than just like APIs or setting them generally by names for it. 
then you cannot access this VPC by this name. But here you can specify what networks, what firewall rules you define, and all that gets carried over and inherited across projects. For Wait, so if I am think to think of this as, as an example, and so probably a it's probably a great distinction between Azure and AWS and Google Cloud at that point, where you're able to. So if I were to walk through the scenario, and if I've heard this correctly, maybe you can walk us through a scenario on this. I'll probably better. So I the I'll keep a simple goal in mind. I need to deploy a web app, and if I think about, but I want Darpan, the developer, to be able to access the, I guess the infrastructure for it. In that context. Mm -hmm. You've, we've kind of layered out, okay, we have example.com as our main level hierarchy. Then we have, I guess, engineering underneath that. And then we've got example dev as a sub project, a project underneath that folder. And within that, I've got given resources. But to your point, there's a VPC layer. And the my access to that VPC layer, or sorry, not my access, but the developer, Darpan's access to that VPC layer is right. based off my IAM, my G, G Suite group. Is that right? That's correct. So it's based off your G Suite group, as well as your policies defined at this folder level itself. So if I can, if I say at the engineering level here that Durpin should not have access to this compute engine resource in the Dell project, but only in past project. So even if you assign and go uh, assign someone, uh, assign Durpin uh, an IAM permission within this example Dell project to access that resource, he would not be able to do that. So your policies that you inherit, that gets precedence. That's you can define it too. So I wish I had like a slide for it. Like uh, I didn't like anticipate this one, but uh, another you mentioned like I'm, as Durpin, I'm developing a web access or a website that I only want certain users to be uh, visible or see only from my corporate network and not like external. Yep. But then let's say it's Ashish. Ashish is a new, new on cloud, new on Google cloud. What he does is, he goes to this example Dell project and opens up the security group or what you call firewall rule in Google Cloud to 000, allowing everyone access from the world to it. So that's where the secure, we can control that at the org layer. So in the organization layer, if I define a policy that anyone within this project or anyone in our organization can only allow my corporate cyber range to access this particular site or a firewall rule, that will take precedence or anything else that you define within your project. So even if you made a mistake as a new person on the team, that mistake would not get applied. It would not cost my company billions in breach or any like unintended access to it because I'm covered at the organization layer. My security team was strong enough and security professionals configured those policies at the org layer directly for that. So that would get carried over for you. Interesting. And I think, does it have similar challenges AWS where in AWS is obviously a limit of SCPs that you can have, like the service control policies that you can have on um, each of these AWS accounts. Is there something similar in terms of hard limit or I guess, how do you plan for the limitation around the cloud service provider? In, sure. in AWS, you group SCPs together and you kind of go like that, but is there a similar approach to this as well? Or I guess because it's Google, there is no limit to how, how, because my thinking at that point is like, oh, if I'm an enterprise, I've got hundreds of users. I'm looking at that going right. as a hundreds of policies as well. That's not just, I'm going to have um, to, if I was to go with your diagram, if I only have three divisions, but those three divisions, each one of them could have a hundred thousand people in there. Right. Right. 
or I guess exactly. oh, I'm thinking of Apple, but whatever. But I think you can imagine then within that layer, there's like hundreds of policies based on the roles of the teams, right? Is there a recommendation for IAM like that in Google Cloud, I guess? Yes, yes, there are definitely. So in Google Cloud, there are two different things. There is a concept of quotas that you get per project or per resource, and there's like limits that you get. So they're like two different concepts, but like quotas are what you're allotted in the beginning or for your specific resource in your project. And then there are limits, which are kind of like hard limits, which you cannot really exceed or you cannot extend that. So with regards to IAM, there are no set like quotas or like set policies in the beginning for the limits. But I'm sure like with eventual change and more users adapting to Google Cloud, they are always like changing those limits or increasing those limits, I would say. But to get around that, you mentioned there are 100,000 users within a specific team or departments, and that's where you can use this hierarchy. So let's say uh, there's a way we had those different folders. We had the uh, engineering and sales teams. Now what you can do is if there's a limit to a specific folder, then you can create another folder within that folder. So that way your oh. policies or your limit now got doubled pretty much. So you give like one high level policy on this folder A here, but then you can give like one more detailed policy or one layer deeper to like say 50,000 users from that 100,000 are now in folder B. So around the limits are pretty much double. So you can have That's really folders that way. That's really interesting. By the way, for anyone listening, I, I I mean, I did not even had this slide in mind, but I'm glad we got into this, that you already had a slide prepared for this. That's so cool. And I think that kind yeah. of answers my question about the nested group as well, because I imagine when you have 100,000 people working for you and different departments, different teams, the complexity of enterprise is one of the reasons why people used to go for, I'm going to go for a ping or an Okta or whatever, because I just cannot be bothered. I'm just going to go in Active Directory, give you a group and move forward. But it sounds like, if, and I kind of love the example uh, that my one of my previous, I guess, Nick had given about, it kind of shows you if you have the right security foundation or uh, I don't want to call it security foundation. This is just basic foundation, I guess. If you have the right foundation from the beginning where you have an example.org and within that you have folders and then, then you go into projects, you're already setting up yourself for success when you say become the next Facebook or Apple, I guess. You don't have to no. worry about scaling. Like actually out of curiosity, if I'm listening to this and I've already started down the pro, pro I mean, I guess a path of just doing projects and I'm looking at this going, oh, I had never made a folder before. So can I now create a folder or does that mean I have to, it's complicated because you have multiple projects and can't be brought into one single folder anymore. Uh, absolutely. You can actually go and create a folder. Once you have like org in the projects, you can create different folders because you know, in organizations, there's constant like reorg within the organization that how the structures change. So projects change across teams, teams change across projects. So you can create folders anytime and you can move projects anytime. And what happens at that time is, let's say I move project uh, three from project uh, two from folder B to folder A here directly. My IAM policies will automatically change from folder B to folder A. So I'll inherit my policies directly from folder A instead of going to folder B. So that's one thing you need to keep in mind about your permissions and security when you move those projects or organize it. So folder B would always have priority over folder A or inheriting in it? 
I would say yes, in terms of inheriting it and in terms of policies for that. Because here, like, uh, see what you said, we have 100,000 users in total. And out of yeah. that, we divided 50,000 in folder B and 50,000 uh, are still directly inheriting from folder A for that. So when, when I have project three in my folder B, in folder B, I give the additional like permissions or additional like IAM policies that everyone here in three and four inherits. So when I move three from folder B to folder A, that inheritance is no longer there from folder B. So I don't have that added policies or added restrictions there anymore. It's everything straight up from folder A that I get. What about relationship between different projects? And I'm thinking more, say, for example, I think to uh, Dr. Abdullah's question and Rama's comment earlier, if I have two business units and they want to talk to each other, and obviously, I guess I may share some users, I may not share some users, it, how, like, how does folder A, and if imagine folder B was like an, a, a separate folder structure, if you go back to your previous slide, where you have, I guess, different folders created for the, each division, can one folder talk to an, another folder as, at a network level or is that yeah that one and so that sorry go on yeah so by default the answer is no that they cannot talk to each other so any projects in full like my folder one cannot talk to about in folder b unless you do something like vpc sharing or vpc peering at the project level but on, that is only allowed and possible if you're aligning those permissions at the folder level. So if I'm saying my folder here, that my HR folder can go and talk to uh, any person in the engineering folder, only then they're able to talk and even able to initiate those peering and sharing connections. And that all can be defined at your VPC service control layer or service perimeter that can be defined at the organization layer, at the very top layer that you get. So everything trickles down from top to the bottom there. Interesting. So, and I've got a question here from Kalyan, which is probably a good good time to bring this up as well. He says, I would love to know the future opportunities in Google Cloud and future growth of Google Cloud, but I'm going to add another layer to it. it. Before you answer that question, if you can, if I can ask you, having worked in the AWS space and Azure space and Google Cloud space, what do you see, because we're doing the unbiased version, what do you see as the as a, as a space where it has gaps at the moment? Sure, I would say, so the breadth of services, Google Cloud like doesn't have as much like a widespread of services or wide availability services that AWS has. Uh, AWS was the first to the market in 2006, so definitely how that first more advantage and because of that, they're able to move to that wide scale. And like, for example, they have a satellite service called the ground station, like NASA and like others, like they can actually use AWS to communicate with the satellites and control those and have different like control and configuration mechanisms on cloud with them. But Google doesn't necessarily have all those wide variety of services, but Google has depth. That's what I feel like. So uh, if you see like Google has all this data we all know like Google uses free services and such in exchange collects your data unless you explicitly say no and like deny that. Uh, so Google has all the data and because of all the data, they have the expertise in their data analytics, machine learning and AI, because that's the same services they've been using internally for Google search, for your Gmail, Google Maps. That same infrastructure, same service, same capabilities are being shared uh, to the Google Cloud customers. 
uh, even though Google was late to the market, I think they are catching up and they have been like moving very fast in certain skills. Uh, for example, security, like security is like inbuilt with Google with the every mm -hmm. product for that. So they have something called security command center, the, which is like pretty much a central hub for all security services, which is machine learning underneath that automatically to give you alerts and like maybe even send you notifications uh, along with showing them on dashboard when something is wrong or something is misaligned within your policies. Uh, they have something called IEM recommender policy intelligence. So I think that yeah, just brings me to my point I mentioned earlier of list privileging. So we all know that we should be list privileging over IEM permissions, give only what's necessary and such. But you know, we yeah. are all human. We may not know like how much is necessary, what is list privileging. And with Google or with cloud, we get the fine granularity so there are all interdependencies within permissions. So let's say you want to do VPC sharing, but then you also need to have permissions to list and describe certain resources to be able to share them. So when as a human, you like it will take us a long time to figure that out. Google has a service called policy intelligence where it will recommend you that what permissions you should assign to someone based on the usage. So they have done all the groundwork for us, like about like collecting logs, like collecting audit logs, collecting IAM permissions usage of who is using what role what's your role name for example you are a database admin and there's a i'm a database reader and google will know like what permissions i need as a database reader and yep. if i'm actually using that permission so it will evaluate a certain time for 90 days and will tell you hey remove this permission from dorpin add this permission to ashish it will show you that so i think google is catching up in all those goals like it's showing all the depth within services similar with the big data and data intelligence google is like moving ahead. Uh, in terms of Azure, I would say, Azure is trying to, uh, a lot of customers, a lot of enterprises have been using Active Directory on-premises and their whole user management part is done using like Active Directory shared folders and your security groups. So Azure has the set of market base already, which they're under cater. And so they have that advantage as well in that. So all three cloud providers or even like Alibaba and Oracle Cloud, they have their specific target audience they are targeting to. But at the same time, they're also trying to expand their target audience with their new services and new offerings. So I don't really see them each as competitor, but they're all like growing in their own space and they're ever developing in this cloud market. That's just my reason. That, that's really interesting. And I hope, hopefully that answers Kalyan's question because I think what you're really, if I were to summarize is each one of these cloud providers have picked a lane. They're sticking to the lane. They're going to grow in that lane and get really popular in that lane. And I think be a bit more specific to the example, people love AWS for IaaS. They love creating infrastructure because you get to that granularity of the infrastructure. And Azure has placed itself as a platform, as a service provider, which is amazing because there are all these platforms that you can tap into and you don't have to worry about the infrastructure, which is a really interesting model as well. And now we have Google Cloud where you're just using almost to point using a lot of SaaS services. Although all three have options for doing IaaS and PaaS, is that right? They have, they all three have, I mean, when I say all three, because I'm, I'm thinking, does Google, Cloud, does Google Cloud have an IaaS option? I'm assuming it does? Yeah. Yes, it does. All it right. Has okay, IaaS, so, it has like PaaS as well. Oh, so they all have options, enough options for each other. It's just that, they have their strengths. Like so Google Cloud strength is big data space as they obviously been sucking all the data in and my data, your data, everyone's data. And 
it and Google uh, Azure is more from a platform perspective. I think they had the whole what's that called Sentinel and other uh, products that they have, which is just like a almost like a massive Seam solution available as a yeah. service. And AWS, on the other hand, have similar. But you're like, uh, I probably use it for infrastructure. I just want to define what my uh, EC2 instance is going to be like. Or I mean, they're lambdas and sub equivalents as well. Do you right. see that? And I think that, uh, it, I don't. It's a hard question to answer. But do you feel like there is there still a a knowledge gap in terms of Google Cloud per se, in terms of how can something be done and how does someone approach this? If some, I, I guess you've done certification for Google Cloud as well, so it'll be keen to get some insight into for people who are starting off today. And I, I think that kind of goes into Kalyan's question as well. That sounds like there's absolutely a lot of opportunity in Google Cloud. They have carved their own lane. Where do I start today? And what what would make me credible enough to get that job for Google Cloud, I guess? Oh, sure. So that's a very good question. And I, I like your summarization as well, that how you like comprehended that. So yeah, uh, I would say Google has some knowledge gaps, which they're trying to actually fill. So one recent example, right, there was Google Cloud Next, like going on the last six weeks, that due to COVID, they're not able to do in person. So now it's all virtual and spread across six weeks. So there are a lot of like new announcements as well. So uh, one thing they targeted was every domain that they had, they made sure that they were targeting at how do you start to it? How do you start in security? How do you start with big data? Or how do you start with just general IES? So in that, Google is trying to catch up. And if you're a security professional, just starting with Google Cloud, uh, Google start a, a release of Google Cloud Security Best Practices Center. That's what they recently released just like two weeks ago when they announced that Google Cloud Next. So that single page lists all the resources, all the fundamentals and basics that you need to know when starting Google Cloud. The white paper there is like at least, I think 55 or 60 pages white paper, which lists that all the fundamentals that you should be knowing and how does Google handle that security internally or externally. And basically what organization structure like uh, I showed in my slide earlier, there's actually ready-made Terraform code for you to actually go and deploy that same organization structure securely based on the best recommendations and how it caters to your organization for that. So Google has gaps and it is catching up, but it's catching up fast. That's my opinion on there. That's, it. That's really good. And I think uh, I might take the link from you later on for putting it in the show notes as well. I think it'll be definitely valuable for people starting off today. Sure. I, I find it really amazing that a lot of these cloud security providers have started asking or starting sharing information about security as well. I was going to ask, It's we kind of spoke about a lot of things about a lot of services where people use it for. Is there something that people are not talking about in this space, which you feel like, I think having worked in different cloud providers, uh, do you see that? I mean, we kind of spoke about the gaps and that Google Cloud is covering these gaps. Is there a, I think, a problem in the Google Cloud Secure, or I guess Google, not just Google, but cloud security space that people are not talking enough about? So I think I mentioned this earlier when I was on the show as well, and I would reiterate that since I haven't seen much changes, the customization <laughs> of security controls. So like this, all these cloud providers give you this out of the box security services, but there are not enough teams and organizations doing custom controls on top of that. So be able to mm -hmm. correlate that data and be able to like remediate that auto remediation of security breaches that you have. So that's not, not a, a lot of enterprises are not focusing on that. When they say we are moving to cloud, cloud migrations and such, they focus on just moving their assets from one cloud to other or 
on-prem to cloud or from one cloud to other, but they're not focusing yeah. on security from starting and how do they do like custom security controls that maps anywhere, your on-premises or any of the cloud providers as well. I think there is like a need and there are a lot of like open source efforts going on, but I think that's not enough. That needs to be keep on happening outside at a much greater pace. And I think Google has been very keen to catch up on it. So they are using all these open source tools, such as like a Google's so Forseti, uh, the Forseti provider that they use or they provide to their users, that's based on open source. Anyone can go and write rules against it and can use it in their organization and also contribute back to Google's code base directly for Forseti. So using more open source tools and customized controls is what's missing from, I would say, enterprise customers using cloud these days. Interesting. I'm just trying to look as that's a good way to come towards the end of the show as well. I've just got one more question. Actually, that's yet a channel cover from Rama. I heard AWS has more IaaS granularity. Do we know what is the difference between AWS, GCP, and Azure in that perspective? And also from a security perspective? I think you kind of answered it, but if you wanna if you feel you've we've missed something in that question, let me answer that. So, uh, I would say yeah, AWS has granularity. Uh in IS because they offer like standalone such as like container service, ECS, or use you ECS, which are kind of like managed, but also gives you with the EC2 on ECS option, like your uh, custom controls and give you full power along with the possibility of that platform as a service. Google has GKE and other like compute engine or app engine instances, which are kind of IS, but they're not as general in AWS, right? So I agree with uh, Rama with you on that point. For sure. But Google is catching up. And in terms of security perspective, you mentioned the security perspective, Google, I think Google leads in security perspective, hands on. Like that's my belief. Uh, because, or let's just put it this way when was the last time you heard that someone's Google Cloud storage bucket or like something within Google Cloud got breached or your data was being accessed in there compared to something within AWS? So Google has security built in different layers and defense in depth is like by default provided to you with Google. Google starts with that. That's what I have seen, like seen in my experience so far. AWS has been catching up. So if you see the evolution of AWS S3 since it launched in 2006 in the beginning to right now, all the S3 buckets used to be public upon creation in the beginning. And now after like a couple incidents in the last year and a year before, this new thing came up, S3 public access blocks. So by default, the public access is turned off now, and there's like multiple layers of access blocks or access list they can apply to a specific S3 bucket. So it's continuous evolution in security as well with IES or PaaS or even some of the SaaS offerings that each of the provider provides. So I think as of now, my belief is like Google is like building security from first and itself and giving you access to like something like free security center or free network intelligence in there. Compared to AWS and Azure, I would say Azure has Sentinel policies. So that's another of my favorite Sentinel policies within Azure. In fact, we were thinking about like using Azure just for the Sentinel policies and be able to uh, send some of our AWS logs to Sentinel to evaluate and analyze and such. So Sentinel is also a really good tool in Azure that I like for that. So each one has the pros and cons and each one has a like rooms for improvement, I would say, across those providers. Uh, Alibaba, yeah. on the other hand, like how Alibaba has some, I would say, need of improvement, but I haven't like had much hands-on experience with Alibaba as much yet. So wouldn't, I don't want to speak anything on that, but it also has some need 
in terms of security. Oh, you can definitely bring Oracle in there because you've done some work with Oracle Cloud as well. You can definitely bring some Oracle Cloud in there as well. What does that compare to this? So Oracle, I'd say in general, it is, uh, so there, you know, uh, on-premises, there were the leaders in database, like Oracle database itself. So they're bringing that same model and same security perspective of what they had on-prem, but also bringing that to cloud in that sense. So their layers is also like IAM is fundamental in there, but they're making it simpler. So in Oracle, like if I want to make something in IAM, I just write one single line that allow Ashish to access this instance. That's it. I just write one single line in plain English. I don't have to go through different policies, different groups, nothing like that. So Oracle is trying to make it simpler. Being late to the market, it has the advantage of picking up, see what others missed and trying to improve upon that. And that's why Oracle also uses Terraform as their base infrastructure score, man, compared to other clouds. All other clouds Smart. have their own infrastructure score tools like CloudFormation or Google's Deployment Manager, but Oracle went full on on Terraform itself natively. So yeah, all of them are like trying to catch up with each other based on how they came to the market and what are they known for based on their specialties. Yep, smart, really smart. Um, I think it's a good segue, and hopefully that answers your question, Rama, uh, but feel free to kind of come back to us. This is kind of like the last section of our episode, and I think you're familiar with this, but I wonder if your answers have changed since the last time you've been here. So I'm going to go to one by one. What do you spend most time on when you're not working on Google uh, Cloud technology or insert technology here? So this is actually, I just go out and take walks. So like being in, because of this like COVID situation, I've been like home pretty much all day. So needing like mm-hmm. we just like take about an hour of a walk or just like go running or maybe like biking a bit. That's where I've been spending my time besides with family and watching some, getting some Netflix shows. Oh, there you go. Uh, that's pretty awesome. And what is something that you're proud of, but is not on your social media? Has that changed well, since the last time we spoke? I would say this hasn't changed. So I, I don't really like to talk about that as also like having like mentoring students, people to cloud, bringing that and enabling people to use cloud effectively and also provide training. So on the side, like I also do like uh, provide people trainings on Google cloud on how yep. to like start with cloud and such. So also try to do that in a spare time. Yep. Oh, that's like, thank you. And what's your favorite cuisine or restaurant that you can share? I know COVID has made uh, the restaurant conversation quite interesting, but is there a <laughs> is there a favorite cuisine or restaurant that you can share? I would say it's still the same since last time. Like I think well, in the last one month and a half, it hasn't changed. I still like Gujarati food as my favorite cuisine. Nice. And a restaurant I like is the one in the New York called Watan. That's the, oh, my nice. hands down like best food I had. Nice. Have you been able to go back there since, well, I guess not, not since COVID, I imagine. I haven't. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't been there yet like, since last Fair week. enough. Hopefully, we, we all get to go there soon, man. I think I'll, that, that would be the ultimate uh, the thing hope. for us. Yeah. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, and I think uh, Rama just came back saying, are we going to cover network security from cloud security? Yes, we are. And there'll be a follow-up session, man. Definitely don't worry about that. Thanks so much for your time, man. I really appreciate that uh, you took out the time again. Uh, I know uh, you're going into a space where you might be limited in terms of what you can share, but let's just try and I'll I'll let you disclose the secret when when it's you're allowed to talk about publicly, I guess. And um, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll look forward to uh, having you again on the show, man, sometime soon. But thanks so much for taking the time out, and hopefully everyone else also got some value out of it as well, and are able to kind of go, yeah, just they're. they're 
I, I, I really wish uh, that the Google Cloud also continues to evolve and people like us keep talking about it. And I think the Google Cloud security conversation would become a normal conversation as well. I feel like a lot of yeah. people still talk about Azure and AWS. They haven't really seen Google Cloud as a direct competition or I guess there's but slowly appearing that you're like oh yeah Google Cloud even Oracle Cloud for that matter until like a couple of months ago no one was talking about Oracle Cloud so I'm looking forward to yeah. having those conversations with you as well man for me like personally I would say I'm looking forward to working in multi-cloud so as I said I don't want to see them as each other separate providers but go all in like multi-cloud and that's where Google is leading the game with Google Anthos and like BigQuery Omni and all those new multi-cloud features I think that's where Google will catch up. That's my hope, I'd say, at least. Oh, fingers crossed for that. So where can people reach you if they want to get in touch with you? Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn or send me an email. My, it's like pretty simple, hello at darpanshah.com. That's my first and last name, .com. So, or reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's darpanshah, easy to find, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Awesome. All right. Uh, thanks so much for your time again. And uh, thanks for everyone who joined us as well. It's always good to hear feels regulars as well. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next show. And uh, I guess at that point, I'll hopefully see you soon, man. Thanks for coming. Yeah, everyone stay safe. Thank you for listening to that episode of Cloud Security Podcast. If you found some new information from that episode, we would appreciate if you share it with others. Share it with us as well if you have any good feedback or good learnings from the episode. We are on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't find us there, you can always go on our website, www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv to listen to the latest episode. We appreciate your support in helping us grow. It helps us bring more guests. It helps us support the channel. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and talk to you on the next episode.